Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires you today. Fantastic. Take your seats. Great to be back. It's been a, it's been a few months, actually. Um, when you put Christmas and then we're away for, for January, and of course February's been a blur, um, and, uh, and here we are. But hang in there, footy season's starting soon. Come on. I always encourage the most beautiful wives in the world to say whatever they want now. <laughs> Pour your heart out, get emotional, you know, connect wonderfully, bonding terrifically. But then when footy season starts, <laughs> just give him some space. That's all, that's all I ask. One night a week, I don't know, an hour and a half, I don't know. Well, hey, we're in good days, aren't we? We're in good days. We have seen God doing some amazing things. All 23, um, we saw God move um, like I've not seen in, in 29 years now, pastoring Highway Church, and, and, uh, and it's just overflowed. Um, into January and now February and we've got the word of the Lord this year to make room to make room for his presence make room for his anointing and make room for his provision that's a good one you know make room and um, that's the word upon us and I think this year we can be deliberate about building in God like we've never built before Individuals, each one of us personally, building in God like never before. And I'm so excited because this, this is our harvest season. I've, I've just, I just know it to be the harvest season that we're in. And um, I received a revelation the other day that, that children don't go out and get the harvest, adults do. They don't send the kids out in the hot fields, in the heat of the day, to reap the harvest in. They send out the adults. And um, for us, I think, to be the laborers, the workers, the harvesters that Jesus is looking for, um, there needs to be some spiritual maturity begin to grow and develop in us. Um, it's so powerful. Matthew 9, 37, 38 says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. The reason, the reason that the workers are few, I believe, after pastoring for nearly 30 years, I believe the reason the workers are few is the lack of spiritual maturity in the body. The lack of spiritual maturity in every believer. Because a lot of people, when they make a decision for God and they come to church and they, you know, their life gets a bit better and better and better, this is it. It's like, I've arrived. No, 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 this is just the beginning. This is just the start. This is the threshold. This is the doorway into the developing spiritual maturity that is going to take you to be a harvest that God is looking for, a harvester. And uh, I've been praying every day for months and months now. Lord, we need your presence, we need your anointing, and we need your provision. 
If we're going to do this, if we're going to change our world, change our region, then we need those three things operating. And uh, so over, you know, I think last week, and of course tonight I'll be preaching on um, his anointing, um, but today I want to talk about his presence, that we would make room for his presence. I'm going to illustrate a three-step process from the altar to the holy place. And I wonder, can we have that up on the screen? That um, The tabernacle, if you have a look at the overview of that, the priest would walk in, he'd first arrive at the altar, then he'd go to the laver, and then he'd enter into the presence of God, the holy place. And it's a three-step kind of process that I've looked at, and, and um, he would sacrifice, then he would go to the laver and wash his hands and feet, made sure he was clean before he entered into the tent of meeting, into the, the presence of God. And that will be our journey today. That will be our journey to, to understand the very simple process, the very simple process, what it takes to build a maturity required to make room for the harvest in this season. You ready? Yeah. Are you excited? You know, if, if, you know what's exciting? A challenge. You know, a challenge. And each one of us today are going to have a challenge. But I'm going to give you some homework today. You know, a challenge that we can take it away. I like to, I like to have a message that's got handles so you can carry it with you next week, right? And uh, it's going to be a challenge. So are you ready for a challenge? Awesome. I love that. I love this. They're great, aren't they? It's great. Okay, let's have a look. Number one, the first step in the process, the sacrifice. Exodus 38, verse 1 says, They built the altar of burnt offering of acacia wood, three cubits high. It was square, five cubits long, and five cubits wide. There it is up there on the screen. The first one is, is the altar where you see that the, the, the appointed priest would come in to, from the outer court. He'd come in and he would you know, face the altar of sacrifice, and then he would bring a sacrifice for himself and for the people. So they would slaughter a, I don't know, sheep or a cow or something, whatever was relevant for that time. But before he could move any further in that process, right, there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be a sacrifice, step one. I want you to note that. There had to be a sacrifice. And we know that this altar points to Jesus, who is, you know, our ultimate sacrifice. Um, we read in John 1.29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was the sacrifice. He was the sacrifice that we see here upon this this altar. And the good news for us today is that we live in the new covenant. Amen? We live in a new covenant. We don't, you know, turn up on a Sunday morning, bring a little sheep, you know, bring a, bring a little cow, uh, you know, outside to the, to the altar out on the little grass area out there and, and uh, you know, put him to sleep humanely um, and, uh, and then, you know, have a Weber afterwards, you know, like put him on the Weber 
no, we don't do that today. Why? Because Jesus has already been that sacrifice. First step was, you know, was just easy. The first step was just accepting Jesus as my sacrifice. Now I don't have to continually do that. Like, you know, bring a sheep, I mean. You know, there'll be sacrifice in our lives, but this is the process that takes place. He sacrificed his life to take away the sins of humanity. Now, in terms of salvation for eternity, we, we say yes to Jesus and we accept that and we're forgiven. Amen? Amen? From that moment, we say, Lord, you know, forgive me. And from that moment, we, uh, our past is, is gone. It's a brand new start, brand new day. I love that. But to live in his presence... To live in his presence from that decision onwards, I'll be challenged to sacrifice. Not for salvation, Jesus already done that. But to move forward, I'll be challenged to sacrifice. Luke 9, 23, 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple, this is Jesus talking, must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, uh, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And again, let's be clear, Jesus is not talking about salvation. He's already been the sacrifice for that. He was talking about some short-term pain for long-term gain. He was talking about your best life. He was talking about the best future that you could possibly have for you and your generations. That's what he's talking about. Right there. Living, talking about leaving behind a life of self-service for a greater cause in Christ. So to say yes builds maturity and maturity leads to his presence. The second the second step in the process is the surrender. In Exodus 38, verse 8, it says, They made the bronze basin and its bronze stand from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. This was called the laver. So the priest would come in and he would sacrifice, step one. Then he would move on, if you can see the picture up there, if he could move on to the laver, which was, which was the next step in the, in the outer court. And it was, a, it was a basin. Can you show the photo of that um, uh, laver? That's, that's what it looked like. It was made of bronze and it had mirrors all on the inside of it. Um, and it was fashioned that way that when the priest came, he washed his hands and feet. Because no way was he going into that, that holy place um, with dirty hands or, or, or dirty feet. Um, but the key factor for me in the labour was the mirrors. Because every time he looked in to wash his hands, those mirrors gave a reflection of himself. See, he could look into himself. He could look into his own eyes. He would have this opportunity to check his heart, to check his thoughts. So, God, is there anything, anything that will separate me 
from you today. So anything within me that I have to sacrifice that is going to clean me in a way that I can enter your presence boldly. See, we do that around communion, don't we? Communion, we recommend that, that, that sacrifice that Jesus made. We, we, we take a hold of it and then we reflect as we look into that little cup. We reflect about our week, don't we? We reflect about our week. We look at ourselves in that little cup and we, we say, God, because of your sacrifice, is there anything in me that I need to deal with right now before I take this? Anything in me, anything happened this week, anything, you know, um, that would separate us, now's the time to nail that thing to the cross. Talking about the grace of God. The grace of God. In Exodus 30, 20, it says, Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash the water, uh, wash with water so that they will not die. Because if they'd gone into the holy place unwashed, uncleaned, then the presence, they wouldn't have survived the presence of God. Too holy. They wouldn't have survived the presence of God. And we know that that, that, that labour is symbolic today of the Word of God. You know, we look in the Word, we read the Word, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, ooh, touches something in my heart. And I have an opportunity then. I have an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to nail that. I'm going to nail that to the cross. That anger, that bitterness, that unforgiveness, that resentment, you know, that whatever it is that, you know, happened this week and I got, I got nasty and self-righteous and, and you know, um, because I'm right. No, you should agree with that because I am, I'm right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just the rest of the world. It's not me. Honestly, if the rest of the world would just get their act together... It'd all work well. It's that flesh attitude that says, no, no, me, 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 it's in me, me. And so what we do is we get an opportunity to nail that to the cross. And Jesus said, daily, daily, for the rest of our lives. Because why? Because this flesh is always going to attract stuff that's going to separate us from his presence. It's just the way it is. You're quiet. Are you all right? Is my hearing aids? They're not working? What? No. See, Galatians 6, 7 to 8 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Wow. Turn to someone's side and say, boy, that's heavy. Turn to the other person and say, boy, that's heavy. I'm here, I'm here with good news today. No, it's not. No, it's not. You know why? Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy. My teaching is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because every time we sacrifice one of those things within us that lead us on the path of destruction, life just gets better and better. It just gets better and better. See, we think, no, I need that. I need to keep that. No, you don't. No, you don't. Let me give you some good news. Get rid of that rotten thing, that attitude, that thing that keeps you small. 
You know, that whinging attitude, that disappointment, that, you know, sort of comparison with everything and, you know, about how I'm not this and that. We don't need that, do we? We just need him. The sacrifice is made. Oh, this is a great opportunity to, to look into that labour, to look into my life and to be honest with myself. See, we're not honest with ourselves, are we? We're really not. And that's everyone in the room, so it's not picking on anybody. We're not honest with ourselves. We're blinded by the flesh nature that we have. And you know my favourite saying, if ten people call you a duck, buy flippers. <laughs> because people see us sometimes and we have a blind spot. Amen. We have a blind spot. You've been on the highway, those new cars, you've got the mirrors that have the little orange triangle, which is really helpful. But before that, you had a blind spot in your car and you ever crossed the lane and, whoa, there's a car there, you know. Why? Because you didn't see it. You didn't see it. And, and how good is it that the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, as we look into the labour as we see our reflection, we say, God, I want, I want the best future you've got for me. I want, I want to be the best father, the best husband, the best granddad, whatever that is, whatever position you're in. You know what I mean? I want, to, I want to do that well. I want to do that successful. Anything in me, show me, show me. Holy Spirit, touch my heart. Convict me. Make me feel a little bit guilty. So I can go, aha, I'm nailing that. I'm nailing it. And if you listen, if you listen in your daily moving, in, in your daily life, if you listen, you'll hear, you'll hear people, you know, people will say something and you go, oh, no, that's not right. Maybe we should listen a little bit. And when we hear something, you go, oh, I wonder if that is me. I wonder if I am like that. Wonder, do I, do, I wonder if that's in my blind spot. I can't see that. Amen? Now, we don't listen to everybody and we, we'd be, you know, schizophrenic, we'd just, you know, just zigzagging all over the place. No, no, no. But every now and then the Holy Spirit, you'll hear something you go, oh, and the first part will be like offence. The first part will be like, who are they to say that to me? Like, what? No, no, you know, maybe we should just sit, look into the laver. Look into the reflection and go, could that be me? Lord, if that is me, you know what? I'm nailing that sucker today. I'm not letting that thing keep me small. I'm not letting that thing hold me back of the best life you've got for me. Amen? It's like unforgiveness, you know. We don't forgive people. Jesus said that if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Wow! Really? That seems a bit unbalanced, doesn't it? Seems a bit unbalanced that never be forgiven because I don't forgive. Why is it so important? Because unforgiveness keeps us locked in a little prison. And we stew about that thing. At night on the pillow, it consumes our mind. We go over and over in our head, the arguments, and the, come on, who's with me? You know, and in every battle we're right. 
in our minds, you know, and we go over and over and over and that, and, and we live in this tension, this prison. There's no freedom in that. And unforgiveness is the only prison that has the lock on the inside. And you can let yourself out anytime you like. Let yourself out anytime and say, Lord, forgive me. One thing I've noticed in, in church life as a pastor, I've got some pastors in the room today too that would agree with me on this, I'm sure. But when you're in leadership and, and, you, and you, you know, you're the you know, senior pastor of a church or whatever, you have to make decisions, amen? You have to make decisions. I mean, it's a, it's a huge organisation. We're dealing with thousands of people. We're dealing with missions overseas. We're dealing with millions of dollars every year to try and make sure that's going to the right place and doing the right thing. And it's a, We make huge decisions. And before God, I have to make decisions for highway. I can't make them personal. I can't make it about me. I can't make it my preference. I can't make it, you know, my bias. It can't be that. It's got to be, okay, what's best for highway? That's how I make my decisions. And every time I make a decision, I'm going to have people that go, you're the best pastor on the planet. What a brilliant decision. You're genius. I love you for that. That's brilliant, right? You're going to get that. And, of course, I like those people. But you're going to get those who are going to say, that's a bad decision. Why would you do that? What, what possessed you? What made you, you know, make that decision? Because it affects them negatively, right? And so that's what happens when you do that. And over a period of decades, as I've passed it now, there becomes a little list of the of the people who don't like Pastor Byron list. And it grows. It just grows. I don't mean it. I, I mean no ill to anybody, right? I mean no ill to anyone. I mean I just want people to develop and grow and be the best for God that they can be. That's, the, that's my only motivation. So, you know, but I, in saying that, I still have this little list of people and sometimes I get a little bit, you know, narky in it a little bit disappointed in it, a little bit, you know, victim in it. And, and I go, no, no. And I start to pray for them. I start to pray for them. Why? Because they'll keep me small. And God can't do what he wants to do in me if I'm small. Because he's a big God, amen? He's a big God. So I've got to bring those people before the throne and I've got to pray for them. God bless them. Bless their marriage. Bless their family. Lord, bless them. And my flesh is saying, yeah, but you know what? You know they're not right. It doesn't matter. I'm unlocking that prison. I'm not allowing that prison to keep me small. And I pray for them. I never tell them that. I'll probably never see them again. I don't know. But in here, I'm free. Why? Because I nail that thing to the cross. I sacrifice that bit of flesh in me that says, you know, that was unfair, Byron. And though we all agree, <laughs> I nail it to the cross. And guess what? I'm freer. I'm free. I can see them in the shopping centre and, ha, 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 hey, how you doing? Great to hug you. And they're like, 
particularly if it's not the person I thought it was. <laughs> it's happened a couple of times and a little embarrassing, but keeps me humble. Gives us maturity that we need to reap the harvest. See, every one of us on a journey, amen? We're all on a journey. None of us have got this. We're all on a journey. And Jesus said, the word, the labour, is the lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Why? So that you don't stumble in the dark and fall in a ditch and hurt yourself. I mean, it's just dumb to walk out there in the dark, amen? It's just dumb. We need a, 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 a lamp for our feet and a light for our path so that we can safely do this journey and get to the destination we need to go to. Just makes sense, doesn't it? That's, that's what the Word does. The Word. It's Word. It's, it's like in the bowling alley, they put those, those rails up, you know. It's just sort of the Word just sort of keeps you, keeps you on main path, on main frame. And... Um, and maturity requires that once we get that little oh in the word or the Holy Spirit or we do something and then we, we feel a bit guilty like I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done that, you know. And we go, okay, I'm nailing it. Nailing that to the cross. Because our maturity requires us to apply it. Apply it. That's why, that's why people can sit in church for 30, 40, 50 years. They can listen to a thousand sermons. They can read their Bible every day and still be nasty. Still be hurt and hurt people hurt people. Amen. Still be broken. Still be in fear. Still be insecure. I fight that every day. I fight that every day, insecurity. Nail it to the cross. I must deal with those things. And things that I have to deal with, you probably don't have to. You're like, you nail that. No, done. No. And there's things that you deal with that I think, well, that's not my problem. You know, I don't, I move on. Like, we're all different, but we're all the same. We're all on the same level. There's no one better than anyone else. But the, we can't stay where we are. And that's what this year is about. Amen? That's what this year is about, making room. Making room for God. Why? So that we start to grow in a maturity, a spiritual maturity that, you know, that reaps a harvest, that makes a difference, makes a mark and not a stain. Amen? that our life counts for something, that there are people in our world that have an opportunity of freedom. Why? Because I've allowed this to build me and build me in his presence. And the third thing I want to talk about is the service. The service in, in Exodus 40, 34, it says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. This is after the sacrifice, after the labor, in the tent of meeting. It says, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Who wants to be there? Come on. Who wants to be in that place, in his presence? I'm not going to get there if I'm a nasty old coot. 
I'm not going to get there if I'm a child in my faith. Amen? I'm going to get there as I grow and mature. After the sacrifice, the washing of the feet and hands, the priest goes into the tent of meeting and he would minister in the presence of God. In the presence of God. And you look at that and you think, well, cool, one, two, three, great process, three steps, it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. Because then the priest didn't live there forever. He had to go back out into the community. But the good news was when he went back out, he carried his presence with him. His presence. He carried his presence. He reached that place where he was ministering, serving in, 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 in the house of God. And, and the presence of God so touched his heart everywhere he went after that. Lives were changed. Lives were changed. People were turned around. I love that. These four walls are not the end of the journey, folks. They're not the end of the journey. Why? Because of the harvest. The harvest is one more step. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That's why we need to grow in maturity, spiritual maturity, because people's lives depend on it for eternity. They do. And it doesn't matter what age you are in this room today. You need to be a harvester. It doesn't stop here. It doesn't finish here. This is, this is just filling the tank for the journey to come outside. The first step at the altar, at the sacrifice, was to say yes to Jesus. That was the first step. Accepting, receiving his sacrifice for my redemption. That I can have a brand new start. Amen? That I can have a brand new start. That from that decision, accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour, from that decision, all my past is cleansed, washed away. How cool is that? So as we go along in this process, as we start to develop maturity over this next season of time, spiritual maturity, I need to, there might be some folks here that haven't really made that first step. I mean, you may not have said yes. And so I've I got to give you this opportunity right now. I, I, if you're going to come on this journey, if you're going to have your life absolutely transformed, if you were going to open up to the best life that you could possibly live, and I'm telling you, I've lived both. I know what I'm talking about. You will never regret this decision. But you have to say yes. You have to say yes to Jesus. That's it. Not joining a church, not joining a denomination, nothing. You're saying, Lord, I receive your sacrifice today for a brand new start. And I want to pray for you this morning. Let's do that right now. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Where are you? Let me see. Say, yep, that's me. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Are you here today? I don't know anyone here. I haven't been down here for months. You, sir? Wonderful. Somebody else? Someone else up there? Oh, you champion? I like this kid. What a destiny on his life, eh? What a, you know, my hair was a little longer, but you remind me of me. You really do. That's good and scary, but, you, you know, 
you, you really do, man. I'm telling you. I don't know what's on your life, but God has a destiny. And, and I've watched you for, for months now since you've been in the house. And I watched you with Pastor Don McDonnell on this altar. Remember that? Youth camp? You weren't here? You were, that's right. You know what I mean? It was just, you were up at Highway though, weren't you? Yeah, I saw him up there. I tell you, he's got something on his life. Is there somebody else, quickly? Just say, yes, let's start this journey. Let's get rid of the past. Not our friend. The future's your friend. Any more? Last time I'll ask. I want to pray for you, quickly. You don't? You? You too? Yep, okay. Somebody else, quick. All right, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. This is really important. I'm going to ask you in a minute just to leave your seat and come down. I'm going to pray for you. And you say, why do you do that? Well, there's something about stepping out. There's something about there's a power so you can stay locked to your seat, right? You can go home tonight on your pillow and say, Jesus, forgive me, and, and you know. But when you step out of something and you step into a new future, there's power in that. You'll go to sleep on the pillow and probably forget it tomorrow. But today you'll remember the 25th of February, 2024. I, I broke those chains that held me back to my past and I got a brand new future. There's something powerful in that. You know the children of Israel, when they crossed the Jordan, they made a big pile of stones. The, 12, the priests got 12 stones, didn't they, for the 12 tribes and they made this monument out of stones. Why did they do that? So that the generations that come, when the kids said, hey, what's that pile of stones doing there? Oh, oh, that was when God parted the, the Jordan and we came across on dry ground into the best future we could possibly have. It's a milestone. It's a recognition. You'll never forget it. So that's why I ask you to do that. Not for show, not for nothing like that. But though I can step out and break the chains that hold me back and step into a brand new start. You ready? If you raise your hand, come on, meet me down the front here. I'm going to pray for you. Yeah, put your hands together. Come on. Stand in line, in line, in line. That's it. Yeah, that's good. Hey, you're good. You're good. Thank you, sir. Anyone else, quickly, before we finish? Come on, there's got to be more. Begins today, a new start, brand new start begins today. Last chance, quickly. Okay, I'm going to get you to re re repeat a little prayer after me, and then I'm going to pray for you, okay? Is that all right? Just repeat after me. Actually, we're all going to pray it, all right? So that's, we'll do it together as family. You ready? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I say yes to the redemption for me. Come into my heart. Give me a brand new start in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, Lord, I thank you for this man. Lord, I thank you for his decision. Lord, I thank you that you have a, a, a better future. And as he steps into that, Father, we're here to, to encourage and nurture him on that path all the way. 
all the way. Thank you, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Come on, guys. Can we just have your just hands like that? Just your hand, just hold my hand like that. That's it. Father, right now, there are two young ladies, Lord. You know their future, their destiny. You have a, a purpose and a plan for their life. And, Lord, we're just going to watch it unfold. I'm going to sit back and celebrate it. I'm going to sit back and cheer them on and applaud them in the destiny that you have for them. The world, the world is not going to destroy these two. Not going to destroy them. They're not going to have a hand in their future. Your hand will be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. And young fella, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you will begin to unfold. I, I think of Samuel who just heard the voice of the Lord as a little boy. He didn't even know what it was. He didn't even get it. God was calling him at a very young age, and I believe that's your story. I really do. Just keep going forward. Just keep doing what you're doing. God will build you. No question. For the harvest. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand this morning. Now, before I go, if you guys want to go with, uh, we'll get you a Bible and get you some stuff set you up. Now, your homework. You ready? Your homework. Now, this is not homework that you can cheat off anybody else. This is not homework you can script write on the internet. All right? You can ghost it on the internet. No. I want you this week to just be honest with yourself. Actually, even a little, little ruthless with yourself, to be fair. Because, you know, there's pain in sacrifice. But no pain, no gain. Amen? Go to any gym and they'll tell you that. Want to be a better you in the future. You know, it's going to cost a little bit now to, to start the journey. No one telling you, pointing the finger, saying, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. No, 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 no. No, as I just come before the Lord... And when I pray, I say, Lord, please show me. Please show me. Just you and me, Lord. Just coach me here. What is it that's keeping me small? What is it that holds me back? What is it that causes me to be offended or angry? Or Why is that? I'm not going to let that ruin my life. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it. And I want you to consciously, consciously say, okay, all right, I get upset when people do this. I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to nail that to the cross. I'm going to be free of that. I'm going to be deliberate about the next time that happens. I'm good. I'm not going to react. I'm going to overcome it. Lord, help me. Give me strength. Holy Spirit, come and help me. I'm going to overcome it. You're not going to get me anymore like that. 
I'm not falling into that snare anymore. You know, you know the, one of the most liberating things that ever happened to me, the Lord spoke to me once. He said, Byron, he said, you know, you don't have to have an opinion. Now, I was a little offended. But, you know, it's God. Yeah, it wasn't Anne's voice. No, no, it was God. So you don't have to have an opinion. Also. And do you know how freeing that was for me? Because as a pastor, people come to you with all that sort of stuff and you feel compelled to help them, to have an answer for them. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm just a man. I don't have all the answers. I make a few up, but... You know what I mean? It's so liberating to say, look, I haven't walked that journey. I don't, I don't really have an answer for you, but, but I'm telling you what. I know Jesus does. And I know if you'll get before him and if you'll allow him to speak truth in your heart, you know what? You'll be able to deal with that and you'll be a conqueror in that situation. Amen? Let's pray quickly. As I, as I, I'll, I'll go on all day. I just love building people. I just love building people. Father, I just pray right now by your Holy Spirit. Lord, this isn't condemning. This isn't finger-pointing. Nothing. This is saying, unlock the key. Unlock the prison. Come on out. Let's live life to the full. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand this morning. We hope you love that message. If you want any more information about us, head to highway.com.au.